the message. Good afternoon, guys. I know this hour change is really affecting me, and I'm sure it's affecting you guys. The first two services, I think the first service we had seven people fell asleep. Uh, the second service I had ten. I've been counting. And this is a smaller service, so if you do fall asleep, I'm going to go up to you and wake you up, all right? But if you need coffee, there's always coffee outside, so go grab it. Uh, just take turns because, again, there's not that many of us, and it would be kind of weird if everybody gets up and goes and gets coffee at the same time. Just, just saying. So has anybody been watching the uh, People versus O.J. Simpson series that's on TV? I think it's on Fox. My family and I have, and it's pretty neat uh, in this way that we have been remembering things that occurred during that time as we're watching these things unfold. My wife and I remember where we were during that time when it was happening, uh, the Bronco chase and so on and so forth. And my kids keep asking me questions or keeping asking us questions. What is this? Who is this guy? And we've told them who O.J. is and what he did. I told them, you know what, he was this great football player. And then he was found guilty or he was accused of murdering his wife and, a, and her friend. And I told him, man, he had a lot of evidence stacked up against him. Lots of evidence that showed that he was guilty of that crime. And then I told him that I remember that, that afternoon where everybody was glued to the TV just waiting to see what the verdict was going to be. And as the jury walked in and gave the judge, the verdict, and they said he was innocent. I remember everybody freaked out because everybody or almost everybody knew for sure he was guilty of that crime. But yet, when the jury said he's innocent, he was declared innocent in the eyes of the court. And it kind of reminded me of what we're going through in this series, Be Transformed. Paul has stacked up a whole bunch of evidence against us. Paul has shown us how sinful, how guilty we are. If you recall in the first chapter, he mentions that nobody is without excuse. Everybody knows about a God, about God. Even if you're that person in a deserted island somewhere in, in the ocean, just by looking at his creation, you know that there's a God. So you are without excuse, he says. And then he lists and tells us other things like, hey, it doesn't matter what social class you belong to. It doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're educated, if you're a barbarian. You are without excuse as well. You are as guilty as anyone else. He tells us that it doesn't matter how much you know the law. It doesn't matter how religious you are. That doesn't save you. That does not excuse you. And then last week, if you recall, he tells us that no one, not one, he says, is good enough. In the eyes of God, we are guilty. But as we're going to look today, as we're going to see today in God's truth, he's going to show us, Paul is going to show us how we can be righteous. How can we be declared justified in the eyes of God? He's been presenting all this case against us. And it seems to be that we are hopeless. But today, he's going to show us the hope. We've been in darkness, and today we are going to see the light and where our righteousness comes from. And that righteousness comes through Jesus Christ. Our righteousness before God comes through faith in what he has done for us 
at the cross. In O.J. Simpson's case, the glove didn't fit, so they had to acquit. In our case, the glove does fit, and yet we are acquitted. In God's eyes, when we put our trust in Jesus Christ and his son and what he done, did for us at the cross, we are declared righteous. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Today we're going to be covering uh, chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. If you guys have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open up and follow along. If you do not, there's always a Bible in, underneath your chair there. If you're new with us here at Grace Bible Church, you can find the page number on your worship guide that will direct you to um, these verses. And as always, we will have them up on the screen to follow along. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. Let me share something with you guys. Uh, preparing this sermon this week, I was a little nervous. Uh, and I wasn't nervous as far as me coming up here. I've been up here, I guess, plenty of times that those nerves have gone away. But I was nervous in preparing and presenting these truths. See, what God is going to reveal to us today is the core of the gospel. This is the turning point in Paul's case against us. These truths are very hard to comprehend for some of us. And I was preparing and being nervous about it. I, I prayed and I said, God, let me, let me say the right words, the right things so people's heart can change. And then I realized it's not up to me. I can read these passages over and over and over again. I can preach this sermon over and over and over again. But if the Holy Spirit does not move in the hearts, if the Holy Spirit does not open our hearts and open our eyes, then these truths will never be revealed. So my prayer today is, is that God does transform our hearts, that the, these truths open up our eyes and see how righteousness before God only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So before we jump into God's word, let me, let me open this up in prayer. Father, again, I thank you so much that we can gather here corporately and worship you and praise you, Father. Lord, as I mentioned, I hope these truths penetrate our hearts, that lives are changed, that we leave uh, here this morning different than when we came in, that these words are not just words, but these are uh, messages, Father, that declare your truth. Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit move in us. And as always, I ask that I be moved aside and I just be used as your vessel, that these words are your words and not mine. Father, I thank you so much for your truth and the ability for us to just open up your word and learn and hear from you. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. He starts off by saying, but now... The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. That word but, every time you see that word but in the Bible, there's a transition, there's a turning point. And what is Paul saying here? He's saying, look, this is all the ugliness beforehand. I have showed you all the evidence that proves that we are guilty. But now, let me give you the hope. Here is the light. Here is the righteousness. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. 
the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith that was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Amen. There's a truth. There it is in these simple five verses. Our righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ, the one that could only give us eternity before God. What I'm going to do this, this afternoon is that I'm going to go back and dissect uh, verses little by little. And I'm going to build one verse on top of the other. So I'm going to be repeating myself because it kind of builds up and then show the whole presentation of his truth. So many open up with uh, my first point, which is this. My righteousness does not come from my works. My righteousness does not come from my works. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. There's nothing we can do to make us right with God on our own. See, the question in history has always been, how does man be right with God? How can man satisfy God? How can man make God happy? Even the pagans. The pagans, what they used to do, they used to sacrifice their children, their babies, thinking that that would please their God, that that would make them right before their God. Religion, that's all that is. I don't care what religion. Religion are rules that are set before you that make you work and try to be justified in the eyes of God. You've got to do step one and then do step two and then step three, step four, and so on and so forth. And if you miss a step, you've got to go back. You can't go on unless you do all these steps to be right with God. And it's not by our works. Religion shows you how to merit your salvation and work yourself up to God. And grace, as we're going to see, is God reaching down and saving us. It is only through him that we can be just, that we can be righteous in the eyes of God. Paul himself, if you recall, last week, he says this, in Romans 3.20, he says, For by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. In other words, there's nothing you can do. Even if you know the law perfectly, even if you know your rules, your religion, you do religion steps perfectly, that will not save you. As a matter of fact, he says that through the law comes knowledge of sin. The commandments are not a list of all the sins there are. The commandments are to show us how sinful we are. Because none of us here, no one here or back then can do or live those commandments perfectly. Jesus Christ said that if you look at another woman with passion, you've committed adultery. If you broke one law, you've broken them all. So your works, my works, cannot save us. Our works cannot make us right with God. 
Back to our verse. Let me start breaking them down for us. Romans 3.21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God has been manifested, has been shown apart from the law. Again, Paul knew that his knowledge or his doing of the law was not good enough, was not going to save him, was not going to make him right with God. As a matter of fact, if you know anything about Paul's history, he was one of the main Jews. He was up there in the ranking of the Pharisees. This guy knew his law. He was a Michael Jordan of the Pharisees. He knew the law inside and out. Era el mero, mero. And yet he says, that, that accomplishes nothing. In Philippians 4, he tells us this. I'm sorry, Philippians 3, verses 4 through 9. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. If you think you're good, if you think you're good enough, if you think you know the law good enough, I have it more. I up you one. I'm better than you, is what Paul is saying. Circumcised at the eighth day, he starts listing all his attributes of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. In other words, I knew the law like the back of my hand. As to seal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. The Pharisees had created a list of all these laws, a thousand and one rules that they try to keep to make them right with God. And Paul's saying, I try to keep these rules perfectly every single day. I was it. But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, my Lord. All these rules, all these laws that I did perfectly had nothing to do with me being right with God. It's not rules. It's not religion. It's a relationship. I know what makes me right with God, Paul is saying, is knowing Jesus Christ, my Savior. For his sake, I, he says, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. There it is. All this knowledge, all these works that I have done, trash, rubbish, he says. True righteousness. The only way to gain righteousness is through faith in Jesus Christ. It's through faith and trusting and believing that what he did on the cross was sufficient for your sins and for mine. I'll get more into that as we go on. Let me go back and start all over and break it down more. Romans 3, 21 through 24. I'm sorry, back on verse 21. Let me break it out a little more. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Paul is saying, look, this is nothing new. The, the prophets, the law, everything we've been studying, everything we've learned is pointing to this, to Jesus Christ. The righteousness, the Messiah is here. This is him. This is what we've been waiting for. The Old Testament, everything had been pointing 
to Jesus Christ, the true righteousness. In the Old Testament sacrifices, what someone had to do was to get an unblemished goat, uh, firstborn male, unblemished. And they bring it up to the high priest, and they bring it up to the altar, and that person would lay their hands on that goat. And it was symbolic for the sins to be transferred onto that goat. And then they sacrifice that goat. And that blood of that goat would forgive them of that sins, their sins temporarily. And Paul is saying here, all those things are done with. The true sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice was accomplished by the true lamb, the unblemished lamb, Jesus Christ. All those things were just samples of what was to come in Christ Jesus. Moving on in verse 21 through 24. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. My second point to you guys is this. My righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ. My righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ. It is not by works. There's nothing we can do that merits our salvation or our justification or our righteousness before God. It is by faith in who has done the work for us. And that is Jesus Christ. And it's for all, all who believe it says. You just need to believe and trust. And it's not a a knowledge of your head. It's not knowing, oh, yeah, I know God or through Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. We've all heard that story. We all know about what he did. But it's accepting it and truly feeling in your heart. It's a heart transformation, trusting that what he did for you and for me, and we have faith in that, is sufficient. It is for all who believe. Romans 3.23, very popular verse. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need a Savior. All of us fall short before God. And it's there for us to grab because it is a grace. It is his gift given to us through Jesus Christ. When we accept him as our Lord and Savior, God looks down upon us and doesn't see the sinful people that we are, doesn't see the sinful person that you are, but sees Jesus Christ. He sees that we have put our trust in him. I love a term that Martin Luther used to say quite often. He would say, simul justas et peccator. Simul justas et peccator, which is Latin for sinful but justified. We are still sinful people and we're going to be sinners until the day we die. But when we put our trust in God, we are now declared justified in his eyes. Just like in the O.J. Simpson trial, the judge said he is innocent. God declares us innocent even though we are guilty. Sinful, but justified 
in the eyes of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are clothed with a sinful, ugly, dark coat on us. Putting our trust in Jesus Christ, that coat is removed from us and put on him. And he puts on his white, holy coat on us. Not because of anything we've done, but putting our faith in what he has done. Doesn't matter how good we are. It doesn't matter what we do. Doesn't matter how many times you go to church. It doesn't matter how many times you read your Bible, how many small groups you're in, how many donations you do. That does not cut it. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ. I love this video that I'm about to show you. We've shown it here before at Grace, and I've seen it on YouTube, and I think it pretty much captures what we're trying to say here in this passage. Next. File, please. Mm -hmm. Some lying, some stealing, and some acts of kindness here and there. I tried to live a good life. Well, let's see how good. This way. Next. File, please. Okay, I admit it. I did a lot of bad things. Yes, I see. But I've done good things, too, you know, to offset the bad things. Like, one time, I cheated on a test, but then I cleaned up trash in the park. Mm-hmm. That should balance out, right? Let's find out. This way. That should have balanced out, right? It should have balanced out. Next. File, please. Impressive. Oh, yeah. I devoted my entire life to make this world a better place. I dug wells in Africa. I donated blood every month. And I ran an orphanage in India. I mean, I just wish I could have done more. Mm-hmm. And is this your subscription? I only read the articles. I only read the articles. Next. My mom goes to church. Was baptized as a baby? Take American Express, right? Next. File, please. Whoa. Somebody's been busy. Well, let's get this over with. Sorry, um, I didn't know he was with you. Okay, step on the scale. Not you. Him. Hey, wait a minute. That is totally not fair. That's why it's called grace. Next. 
we're honest, all our, our files, all our folders are that thick. But because of his grace, because of his mercy, he steps in for us and throws that pile on the side. And before God's eyes, we become righteous. Again, it's through faith in Jesus Christ. Moving on in our verses here. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. It is a gift. It is free for anyone who believes and trusts in Jesus Christ. My third point is this. My righteousness is a gift from God. My righteousness is a gift from God. One of the things that I I do here, and, and I've shared with this before with you guys, I really enjoy doing this, is Whenever somebody wants to get baptized or they have questions about their faith, I sit down and I talk to them. And every time I have uh, this opportunity, I always try to share the gospel. I try to share this truth with anybody. Even though they've accepted Jesus Christ, I want to make sure they're clear of what this means. And I always open up my conversation by asking them, if you were to die today, If God forbid you would walk out of my office and you're in a car wreck and you were to die and you see your creator face to face and he would ask you, why should I allow you in with me into paradise? What would your answer be? In other words, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? And I get all sorts of answers, kind of like this video. I get the answers like, well, I think so because I've done more good than I've done bad, so it outweighs it. Some of the answers I get is, well, God is a merciful God, and he knows my heart, and he knows that I want to be good. I know I can't, but I try to be good, so he should accept me. Other answers are, well, I'm new at this Christianity, and God knows all time. He's the Alpha and the Omega, and he knows that maybe two years from now I'll be good enough, but if I were to die today, he'd give me credit. All sorts of answers. And then I tell him this, okay, So if we have to be good, if it's by our works, do we have to be like Mother Teresa? Do we have to be like that guy on the video that all his life is just help the poor? Because if we have to be that good to merit salvation, then all of us, or most of us, are pretty much doomed. And let me tell you this, like I shared a little while ago, we cannot be perfect. And God expects us to be perfect. For you to be in the presence of God, you must be perfect. God says, I am holy, therefore you must be holy. How are we going to do that? How is that possible knowing that you're not holy, I'm not holy, you're not perfect, I'm not perfect, and none of us will ever be perfect? And then I shock him and I tell him this. But I know if I were to die today, I'd be in heaven with God. And this is why, and this is why I explain what we've been going through right now. Once you put your trust in Jesus Christ, once you kneel before him and you ask for forgiveness, you say, Father, I'm sorry for I have sinned. I'm sorry for all that I have done. I cannot make it without you. Father, please forgive me. I truly believe in my heart that you dying on the cross was sufficient for the forgiveness of my sins, past, present, and future. Father, I ask you to come into my heart and make you my Lord and Savior. Then God declares you justified. Then in the eyes of God, you are right. Then God looks down and sees that you've put your trust in his son. Your justification right then and there begins. And then you start your walk. Your sanctification is what it's called. And sanctification is you want to be more like him. Sanctification is you want to be more Christ-like. And no longer will you feel that you have to come to church to 
deserve his mercy and his righteousness, you're going to want to come to church because you've been accepted. No longer you feel you're going to have to read the Bible. You're going to want to read the Bible because you want to know the creator. You have now become a child of God. Your sanctification, then there's ups and downs in your sanctification because you're still a sinful person. But the day you die, you'll be glorified. And when God looks you straight in the eyes and says, welcome into my kingdom, it's not because what you have done, because of what Jesus Christ has done for you and you've trusted in that. You don't step on the scale. He gets on the scale for you and he is good enough. That is the truth. And it's hard for us to, to, to know that truth. We've been raised thinking that we've got to merit things. We go to school, we study to get good grades. We don't give good grades. We're in sports because we practice. We can't just walk on and make the team or say, hey, I know that guy so I can be on the team. But grace, grace is a gift. And grace is unmerited mercy and love. And that's what God, through his son, Jesus Christ gives us to all who are wanting to accept that gift of salvation. And I know there's some of us here that still don't comprehend. I know some of us here are thinking that, hey, I'm not good enough. My past, I'm very sinful. If you only knew the things I've done, I'm not right with God, and hopefully one day I will be. But while we were yet sinners, God came down and saved us through Jesus Christ. And if that's you here today, my prayer, like I mentioned in the beginning, is that that the Holy Spirit moves in you, that your heart is changed, and accept these truths that we've been covering, that our salvation, our righteousness before God does not come through our works. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ, and it is a gift that is freely given to all those who believe and trust in his Son. That is the truth, church. It's black and white and clear. Let me finish off these verses we've been covering. 24 through 26 says, And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. My fourth and final point is this. My righteousness was paid at a price. My righteousness was paid at a price. When we receive a gift, it is free to us. The gift is given and it's free. We don't pay a single thing. But whoever purchased that gift for you paid a price. Jesus Christ paid that ultimate price for us to receive that gift, the gift of grace, the gift that comes through faith in him. God became man. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life obedient life and he willingly went to the cross so that you and I can receive that gift if we would accept it if our hearts would be changed if our eyes would be open and trust in that debt in that price that he paid for us what does that 
price? What was, what was that Jesus paid for us? I summarized it into three things. There's a lot of things, but I summarized it into three, these three things. First of all, the payment accomplished redemption. It accomplished redemption. By Christ going to the cross, it accomplished forgiveness for our sins. Past, present, and future. Redemption means freed. We are now free from our sins. We're no longer enslaved. We're no longer held in bondage to our sins. We are freed. We are forgiven. Jesus gave us forgiveness at the cross. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. It accomplished redemption, forgiveness. Second thing, it satisfied God's demand. Jesus Christ, perfect obedience, his life here, going to the cross and his resurrection proved that it satisfied God's demand. Propitiation means that, satisfying a payment. God's wrath was destined to us, and we deserve his wrath because we are sinful, sinful people. We must understand that. And Jesus Christ paid that for us at the cross. He took on God's wrath. He took on what was coming to us and was given to him. Hebrews 9.12 says this, He entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. There's some Christian religions out there that believe that, yeah, you got to have faith in what he did. you got to have faith in Jesus Christ for redemption, for salvation. But you also have to have works. It's faith at the cross plus works. you still got to do your thing. They believe or they are taught that it was not sufficient. And his word is telling us here that it was sufficient. When Jesus hung on the cross and said it was finished, it was done. His crucifixion, his sacrifice was sufficient to pay our debt, to satisfy God's demand. And lastly, it provides salvation. His death conquered sin. And us, or you who believe in that, who have faith in that, who trust in him, he guarantees salvation. Salvation for all who believe in Jesus Christ. Colossians 2 verse 14 says this. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. I'm going to say it over and over and over again. You cannot... Be right before God through works. There's nothing you can do that will give you salvation. Your righteousness, your salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Putting your trust in the one who did it for you. It is a gift. It is given to all those who do believe, who do trust. It is through his grace. He graciously provides a salvation that mankind is incapable of attaining. God counted us righteous in Christ, not because he had to, 
but because he sovereignly chose to redeem his creation. Something we could have never done, he is both the just and the justifier. When sin entered this world through Adam, there was this huge gap that was created. Adam and Eve sinned, and this gap was created between man and God. And since then, man's been trying to accomplish, to close that gap, to get them back together with their creator. And God knew that this could never be done. So he came down through Jesus Christ and closed that gap for us, that whomsoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. I love the way one of the commentaries uh, describes what this all means, the significance of of Christ dying on the cross for us. And he calls it the salvation triangle. And it's in your sermon notes as well. You can take it home and go over it as well. But what it has here, it has Jesus Christ, God the Father, and it has the Christian, the believer. Jesus Christ's death on the cross was a propitiation for God the Father. In other words, it satisfied God's demand. Jesus Christ's death on the cross gives us redemption through all those who believe. And once we believe, God the Father justifies us. Justification comes through God the Father to the Christian through the cross. If you notice that all the arrows are pointing a certain area, either to God the Father or to the believer, none of the arrows are pointing away from the believer, from us. It is not by our works. It is by our faith that this was accomplished. I saw on a show or on TV that someplace in the Philippines, the way they hunt for some of these apes that they have out there, what they do is that they have this jar. They place a jar and they they secure it to a tree uh, that they can't move. And inside the jar they put an apple or some sort of fruit that the apes really, really like. And the ape will go up to the jar and the, the opening of the jar is just big enough for the hand to come in And then once the ape grabs that apple, his hand becomes bigger and he can't get out. And the ape tries anything he can just to be released. And all that ape has to do is let go and he'd be free. But he doesn't. He's holding on. He won't let go of that apple. And eventually that ape gets tired and they come and they knock him in the head. And that's how they get the ape. And I thought to myself, that is so much like us here. We are grabbing on to something we won't trust, we won't let go. We're grabbing on to our sinful past. We're grabbing on to our religious belief. We just won't let go. And God is saying, release, trust me, let go, and you will be free. My prayer is that no matter where you're at, if you're grabbing on to whatever it is, let go. Be free. Accept, trust. Put him in your heart. Make him your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these truths. We thank you for your Son. We thank you that we can be right before you. We know we're very sinful people, Father. We know that there is no way we can be right in your eyes if it was not for Jesus Christ. Father, again, I pray, I ask, I plead that if anyone here has not accepted that truth, if they have not come before you and humbly bowed down to you, that they do so. That they pray and ask for forgiveness. That they accept your Son as their Lord and Savior. And that they can feel the freedom knowing that 
they have been justified they have been declared right in your eyes father i also ask if some of us here have accepted that truth that we recognize it that we live more in that way that our sanctification shows to others that we are your children that we don't take anything for granted that we're still thankful for your gift of your son father we love you we praise you and we ask these things in the mighty name of jesus christ amen at this time if uh, you have your communication card the usher will come up and collect the offering you could drop it there in the basket and remember we have a gift for you guys who are first time guests with us thank you